Section three of With the Royal Army Medical Corps in Egypt by Sergeant Major R. A. M. C. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two Egypt and the Great War Part two Female Nursing Service in reviewing the part played by the members of the queen alexandra imperial military nursing service and of the colonial nursing organizations during this period of storm and stress it is difficult to award a due measure of praise without incurring the charge of dealing in extravagant eulogy at the beginning of the gallipoli campaign there was no more than a handful of trained sisters and nurses at the base in egypt and these were already fully employed when therefore the avalanche of wounded from the dardanelles descended so unexpectedly on the country it was inevitable that a certain amount of confusion should result that the resources of the queen alexandra's imperial military nursing service and of the australian and new zealand contingents though at one time strained almost to the breaking point did not in fact break but magnificently stood the strain must be set down to two factors in the first place to the admirable system of training in the alexandra organization which rather it must be admitted to the astonishment of the merely masculine part of the army medical service succeeds in developing among women apart from technical knowledge the qualities of hard endurance instant resource and unflinching readiness to accept responsibility to a high degree and in the second place it must be ascribed to the ability and genius for organization of the matron-in-chief for egypt miss s e oram r r c with bar upon whose shoulders from a very early period of the crisis fell the whole brunt in the management of nursing affairs looking back on those first few weeks of stress and turmoil when the wounded and sick were pouring into alexandria it is not easy to understand how temporarily at least a condition of absolute chaos and deadlock was avoided but avoided it was and in the case of the female nursing service by a variety of ingenious devices combined with whole-hearted self-sacrifice and devotion to duty there were not only the hastily improvised hospitals and convalescent depots in egypt to staff the ships bringing the wounded from the shell-swept beaches at the seat of war and the hospital trains transporting so many of them to cairo and elsewhere had to be supplied with sisters and nurses in this latter regard especially as indeed in all other departments of the nursing service in egypt during the war the voluntary aid detachment or vad for short contingent of the red cross society and order of st john rendered invaluable aid it has been said 
that there were comparatively very few army sisters and nurses in egypt at the commencement of the gallipoli operations reinforcements of nurses were already on their way out from home and immediately the authorities became aware of the true nature of the campaign further detachments were got together and dispatched by nearly every ship sailing for the scene of hostilities at a very early stage in the crisis adequate supplies of nurses had arrived in egypt and the situation had been relieved before the year was out upwards of a thousand were available for duty the extreme difficulty however of coping with the demand made upon the hospital nursing staff in those first critical weeks cannot well be overrated great credit is due to the australian nurses one hundred and eighty-six in number who had come out in the kiara at the beginning of the year and had not only staffed the australian hospitals but had supplied detachments to various other medical units in egypt until a sufficient number of the regular army nursing staff had arrived on the scene the main work of tending the wounded devolved upon these and on the new zealand sisters augmented by any trained local assistance that could be found and by all the untrained yet willing helpers that the women of anglo-egypt could muster between them thus number fifteen general hospital which it will be remembered came to egypt without female nursing staff was at first entirely supplied from local resources these being gradually replaced by army nurses augmented by the vad to illustrate the methodical yet unavoidably heterogeneous way in which the nursing staffs of the various hospitals were finally got together an extract is given below from the diary of number seventeen general which like number fifteen had been originally provided with male personnel alone april twenty ninth nineteen fifteen two nurses were locally engaged april thirtieth nineteen fifteen four australian nurses lent from mena house arrived may the second nineteen fifteen two queen alexandra's imperial military nursing service reserve nurses arrived from cairo may fourth nineteen fifteen six australian nurses arrived for permanent staff ten dispensary nurses arrived from different parts of egypt for temporary duty here may eleventh nineteen fifteen six australians arrived lent from mena house may fourteenth nineteen fifteen four queen alexandra's imperial military nursing service reserve from england may twenty sixth nineteen fifteen ten nurses of lady carnarvon's arrived here june fifteenth nineteen fifteen thirteen australian nurses arrived for duty here 
June 21st, 1915. Ten Australian nurses arrived. July 1st, 1915. Ten Queen Alexandra's Imperial Military Nursing Service Reserve arrived from England. July 2nd, 1915. Fifteen New Zealand nurses arrived here. The ten nurses who joined the hospital on May the 26th were part of a detachment of fifty which the Countess of Carnarvon was instrumental in obtaining from England. Transport, Road, Rail and Marine Transport was from the first one of the gravest difficulties encountered. It began on the peninsula itself where the number of hospital ships attached to the expeditionary force at the outset proved wholly insufficient for the task of evacuating the wounded, and many troop ships had to be pressed into the service. But the main difficulty lay at the Egyptian base. Motor ambulance vehicles to convey the wounded from the harbour landing stages to the hospitals in and about Alexandria to the railway station en route for Cairo, and again in Cairo between the trains and the various hospital units there, were woefully few in number, considering the magnitude of the work entailed. The motor ambulances available belonged almost entirely to the Australian and New Zealand medical units. Thirty fine cars, the gift of the Australian Red Cross Society, having been brought to Egypt in the Kiara early in the year, and twenty additional cars were eventually added to this fleet from the same source. A number of the ambulances were drafted to Alexandria but the main body was installed in two large garages at Heliopolis and Jazeera, where they were in immediate call for service. For a long period they were under almost constant requisition night and day, but so well was the service organised and apportioned that practically no material delay in the conveyance of the wounded ever occurred. The same may be said for the service of hospital trains between the great towns. These trains were provided and equipped by the Egyptian State Railway, and the service admirably maintained through the periods of crisis. There were six separate trains for the service, these being kept at Gabbery Station, Alexandria, which is conveniently near to the docks. The trains were designed to accommodate 100 lying down, or 150 sitting cases, and during the year 1915, many thousand cases were carried. Upon the hospital ships, however, devolved the main and most vital part of dealing with the vast multitudes of sick and wounded men which flowed into and out of Egypt at this critical time. From a very few regularly appointed hospital ships, supplemented by hastily improvised carriers and troop ships, which constituted the service at the beginning of the peninsular operations, the number of these vessels was steadily and swiftly augmented 
until over sixty were eventually running from the end of april to the end of december nineteen fifteen many thousand cases were brought to egypt while during the same period as many invalided men were carried home to great britain australia new zealand and india all these ships except those employed on the indian line were staffed by the royal army medical corps and the alexandra and colonial nursing services in regard to the work done on these ships by the doctors orderlies and nurses of the army medical service the following quotation from an official report of the time will be of interest i can attest to the care with which in both hospital ships and ambulance carriers the sick and wounded were dealt with for it is within my personal knowledge that during the days of stress following battle neither officers nurses orderlies nor ships companies thought of rest or refreshment in the carrier ships without many of the conveniences provided in regular medical establishments difficulties were multiplied and yet the apparently impossible was achieved and the wounded suffered no avoidable hardship where all did so well it may appear invidious to select any class of worker for particular mention but i cannot refrain from bringing to notice in a very special manner the work performed by the nursing services under miss s e oram r r c the matron-in-chief whether belonging to the regular territorial or overseas services the untiring devotion displayed by these ladies in the very trying conditions on board ship at the front is a recollection that can never be effaced from the memories of those to whom they ministered and of every officer and man associated with them in their labours and it may be added many of these heroic british women died at their posts while many more were permanently invalided as a result of hard work and privation the dangers difficulties and hardships to be met with on these sea-going hospitals are indeed scarcely realized by the public at home apart from the risk from enemy torpedoes and mines witness the fate of the braemar castle britannic marquette where nine of the nurses were drowned the gloucester castle and many others the day's work on a hospital ship continuously passing from port to port with the most exacting and portentous cargo that vessel could possibly carry is as much as sometimes more than human energy and hardihood can support here is a very terse disjointed series of extracts from a diary kept on board one ship alone the dunluce castle which fairly represents the sort of life a ship's staff of the ramc lives as a matter of every single day throughout summer of nineteen fifteen up to time of evacuation of peninsula 
continuously carried sick and wounded between gallipoli and egypt and malta then ship lent to french service in winter nineteen sixteen and went to bologna and carried serbians to Bizerta, banner and algiers she then carried patients from egypt to sicily for transshipment to britannic then from egypt to england with full cargo of sick and wounded back to egypt again with equipment and personnel of a stationary hospital for mesopotamia then to salonica to fetch wounded then to and fro between salonica and malta up to october nineteen sixteen with many wounded also large numbers of dysenteric and malarial cases on one voyage alone out of the total patients two-thirds were cases of malaria in october ran between malta and mudrose also one trip home to fetch number forty one general hospital for serbians then egypt to england carrying a number of mental cases after disembarking at southampton went immediately on the same day to havre and brought over cases including one hundred and thirty sick and wounded german prisoners remained for rest of winter months doing cross-channel work back to egypt in spring the above may well be left to speak for itself except it may be here remarked no words can possibly convey to the unprofessional reader an idea of the difficulty of properly tending a ship full of dysenteric patients during a long voyage nor of the responsibility the anxiety the constant vigilance needed in the care of a number of mental cases under the same trying circumstances one item in the excerpt however may be amplified here by way of illustration of the kind of work which an ramc ship's contingent may be called upon to perform here set down in plain sober language are the real facts as concentrated or rather concealed in the laconic phrase went to valona and carried serbians to Bizerta. on the afternoon of february tenth nineteen sixteen the dunluce castle started to embark serbians some from an italian hospital ship and some from a small vessel that had come down from durazzo that morning the men were in a more deplorable condition than can be imagined they were of those who had fallen out in the retreat and by some means had made their way to the coast two died while being transferred to our ship the embarkation was completed by eight p m and we were instructed to leave for Bizerta at daybreak by that time however in spite of the closest attention eleven bodies were awaiting burial i have never seen worse cases and their moaning was pitiful many of them had been unable to look after themselves for several days and their condition cannot be described 
all were infested with lice some with maggots and many had horrible sores to which their rags were sticking nearly all were suffering from marasmus of diarrhoea and many were in the typhoid state the odour in the wards and throughout the ship was indescribable and disaffectants had to be freely sprayed everywhere to avoid any risk of infection the captain insisted on all clothing being burnt as several cases could not be definitely diagnosed typhus cholera and in one case smallpox being suspected many had to be fed hourly and nearly all very carefully but in spite of all that could be done by feeding infusion or any other means the total deaths reached fifteen in the first twenty-four hours an anglo-serb vocabulary of about fifty words was prepared and a copy given to each sister which was a great help and gradually the men began to throw off their intense depression the weather on leaving valona was by no means propitious and added largely to the labours and difficulties of all those working in the wards Bizerta was reached during the morning of sunday february thirteenth by which date the death roll had reached a total of thirty-nine the improvement in the general appearance and condition of the patients during their stay on the ship was really wonderful and we found them a most grateful people whom it was a pleasure to serve after disembarkation the ship was fumigated throughout and kept in strict quarantine for a period of five days medical equipment and material there has never at any time been any shortage whatever of drugs dressings etc in egypt this and in his own words is the testimony of the one of all others in the anglo-egyptian command at the time best qualified to speak and in view of the enormous demands made on the supply department of the royal army medical corps during the year under review 1915 the words have very great significance the adequacy of medical supplies for our armies in the near east the base for which was established in alexandria depended then as now on the skill with which the necessities of the various departments could be foreseen and provided for greatly in advance of the time they would be needed by the different units everything had to be brought by sea over about three thousand perilous miles a journey that never occupied less than three weeks and might take eight weeks or more to ensure therefore that the stores would be ready by the date required they had to be ordered from home at a period so largely ahead of events that their exact nature and quantities could not possibly be gauged by the ordinary methods the requisition of these supplies would have been difficult enough 
if the problem had been merely one of meeting the medical needs of a single force of known extent within a well-defined and accessible sphere with good lines of communication but the task was far otherwise in egypt the armies first at the dardanelles and then at salonica had to be supplied over long lines of sea communication the most difficult known to military science not only at these places but on both the eastern and western egyptian frontiers there were great numbers of field regimental medical units field ambulances casualty clearing stations and stationary hospitals all depending on the alexandrian base there were the base hospitals in egypt those ordinarily in existence and those which sprang up everywhere at such short notice also many convalescent depots and camps and the one constant demand of these was for an unremitting supply of necessary medical stores there was a fleet of fifty or sixty hospital ships as well as transports and other forms of craft all depending on the same base the ambulance trains looked to alexandria for everything they needed medically moreover the mex peninsula and the seaboard for some miles from the egyptian port were thronged with camps where troops were continually coming and going in vast numbers with every camp and with every unit there was a medical officer responsible for the health of its personnel and medical stores were constantly required by each of them all these different centres of activities focused their demands on the one establishment at alexandria demands that were not only extraordinary many of them were unprecedented in scale and yet there was never at any time any shortage whatever in drugs dressings etc in egypt how was it done the explanation is very simple and can be stated in half a dozen words organization foresight and energy rightly applied a new system was inaugurated instead of a number of base depots for medical stores each one obtaining its supplies direct from england a single main medical store depot for the armies in the near east was established at alexandria this store depot may be likened to a wholesale business house in civil life and the various base depots to retail shops a wholesale business house is successful or otherwise according to the accuracy with which it forecasts the needs of its retail customers this forecast must necessarily be made many months in advance or the goods will not be ready by the time they are wanted and not only must the right goods be available at the right time but they must be there in the right quantity not less or trade will be restricted and not more or there will be unsaleable surplus to be jobbed when the demand has ceased 
in both of which cases there will be loss of profit the main medical store depot at alexandria was run on exactly the lines of a wholesale business house and withal and more than all the courage judgment and foresight indispensable to such an enterprise the future needs of the armies in the field and all subsidiary services were carefully studied and the probable quantities and kinds of material and equipment that would be required as carefully estimated it was a gargantuan task there were not only the wards of the hospitals to supply with dressings and appliances there was an infinity of different kinds of drugs and medicinal preparations for the dispensaries instruments for the operating theatres outfits and various appurtenances for the x-ray rooms laboratories and dental departments the thousand and one indispensable articles that modern medical science has called into being and all these things had not only to be provided in advance but provided on such a scale as would on the one hand defy the possibility of shortage under any conceivable demand and on the other avoid the creation of useless surplusages that the main medical store depot for the near eastern armies accomplished all this that it supplied the needs of four campaigns and kept a great fleet of hospital ships replenished that it weathered successfully the storm of the gallipoli crisis and that of all the battalions marching through egypt it left none with a single medical need unsatisfied is now part of the history of the war and requires no recapitulation here incidentally however some few details of the organization and work of the depot may be given the unit sailed from england in march nineteen fifteen as part of the mediterranean expeditionary force and on arrival in egypt it was established in what had been the austrian lloyd company's shed at the docks alexandria in april the depot was opened and almost immediately it was working under high pressure heavy demands being made on it at an early stage especially for dressings for the gallipoli peninsula it soon outgrew its original premises and took over several of the large chowners or cotton warehouses adjoining the depot eventually comprised a floor space of eighty five thousand square feet apart from the main work of supply a great deal of work has been done in refitting and refilling medical and surgical panniers field haversacks fracture boxes water testing cases and other items of field medical equipment the duties of forwarding medical stores to other and remoter theatres of war when these were landed here en route were also undertaken by the depot the goods being temporarily warehoused and reshipped or railed to another port for shipment as opportunity offered 
as another instance of the usefulness of the depot it may be mentioned that a complete electroplating outfit was installed in one of the buildings and an expert cutler continuously employed in renovating surgical instruments and appliances which had been returned to the base as unserviceable in this way a great number of expensive articles were made fit again for use and reissued to the medical units thus an important economy was effected hospital commissariat and supply of invalid diet the proper feeding of the great multitudes of sick and wounded men who were so suddenly and unexpectedly thrown on the resources of the medical authorities in egypt during nineteen fifteen was from the first a source of great anxiety the ordinary channels of army food supply were very heavily taxed during the first few weeks of the crisis but magnificently stood the strain the main crux of the situation however fell on the hospital kitchen staffs who even when the difficulty of obtaining the raw material of sustenance in sufficient quantity was overcome had then to convert it into a form suitable to the needs of desperately hurt and helpless men and to contrive that the kitchen organization of each hospital and convalescent camp should keep pace with the swiftly expanding wards was a still greater problem it is difficult to convey any real notion of the strain which thus fell on the quartermaster's departments of the army medical service at this time still more to explain how the difficulties were met and so triumphantly overcome no doubt the quartermasters of the royal army medical corps and in no less degree those of the australian and new zealand contingents here added conspicuously to their already hard-won laurels it is a fine thing to gain reputation at the cannon's mouth the men who go over the top against a whistling hurricane of bullets throwing away life as they would a spent matchstalk deserve all the honour and glory that an appreciative but very busy nation has leisure to bestow on them but there are times notably this of the great rush of gallipoli wounded to egypt when the skimming ladle and the butcher's cleaver alone stand between tens of thousands of human beings and the neglect which means death if the merit for bringing this war to a successful issue were to be apportioned according to the amount of shoe leather outworn in the country service quartermasters would not be far behind in the reckoning not the least of the many services rendered to the army medical organization in egypt by the red cross and st john committee must be accounted the way in which that body now carried out an ingenious and very useful scheme this was to install and furnish supernumerary kitchens at nearly all the hospitals where the lighter and more delicate articles of sick ward diet could be prepared at a time 
when the regular staffs of the main hospital cookhouses were literally run off their legs with work this assistance of the red cross ladies proved as opportune as it was invaluable and in this brief account of the means taken to feed the multitude of sick and wounded from gallipoli we must not leave unacknowledged the services of the many egyptian catering firms in the case of many of the hastily improvised hospitals and convalescent depots either by reason of special conditions or because of the impossibility of obtaining cooks and cooking plant in time recourse was had to the services of these local caterers and in almost every instance the task entrusted to them was well and faithfully carried through End of section three